0: so good to be with you guys. I'm just curious who was here when I preached in January. Will you raise your hand? Yay. It's really good to see you guys again. I I was thinking on my drive over how special it is that I got to end the year with you now in December, but I also got to start the year with you guys. So it just feels like I I know you in a way, and I can't believe it's been a year. Um, Yeah. And before I get started, for those of you I shared with when I came in January, I just wanted to give you like a, a cool praise in my own life of what's happened this last year. The Sunday I came and I preached with you guys was a few days before I was officially commissioned as a pastor at my church. And you guys prayed for Me and thank you for praying. And so since then, I've been operating in that role at Awakening. It's been so sweet. And I also um, started and finished my first two semesters in seminary. So I'm in seminary. Thank you, (laughs) thank you. So I'm in this awesome cohort at Women uh, at Wheaton College. That's all women. So women in ministry. Yes. So that's been exciting. So thank you for having me back. And like Pastor Krista said, I have really been praying for you guys in this message. And um, I want to yeah dive in. You guys have been in an Advent series, right? And I've been listening, actually, secretly to Pastor Mickey's sermons on Sunday nights. They've been blessing me a lot. I go for walks every Sunday, and I listen to his messages. They're so good. Um, And so this morning, I want to talk about the Advent theme of joy. Joy. It's a very common Advent theme, but I think joy is a tough one, depending on the walk that you're in, the life that you're in, right? And when thinking about the Bible and joy, there's one person that comes to mind for me who has a lot of wisdom and knowledge to offer, and that's Paul. And so I want us to look at some scripture in the book of Philippians. We're going to be diving into Philippians today. I have some slides behind me. If you have a Bible, you want to use your phone, whatever keeps you not distracted and engaged. Dive in with me. (laughs) But I want us to start by looking at this scripture that I think a lot of you might have had maybe memorized if you grew up in church. Maybe you've seen it a lot. It's in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. And... It's a long one, but I want us to focus on a few verses, right? Chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord. Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Who's heard of that before? Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And then I think verse six, right? Do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, present your request to God. These are familiar to us, right? So you can read that to yourself, but I want you to look at verse nine. And I think that when we look at this chunk of scripture, I don't know about you guys. I often skip verse nine. I've kind of stopped at verse eight because verse eight is so powerful. Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So no pun intended, this sermon is going to be practical (laughs) Paul's talking about practice, right? So I want to look at what we can take. What have we seen? What have we heard? What have we received from Paul? How can we put that into practice? And I wish I could give you like a do X, Y, Z, and you will have a perfect life. I wish I could. That's not possible. I can't give you that today, but I really believe that the promise that Paul has instead that the God of peace will be near you, that is a better promise than anything, right? And that is cause for rejoicing. Amen. So you guys have prayed, but let me just quickly pray. God, we know that you're in this space. Holy Spirit, you have been with us as we have worshiped. God, like that verse, that, that song said, we give you all the glory. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray, move me aside and speak whatever you want to speak to this church, to this body. We want to be focused and hone in on what you have for your people, God. So give us that spirit. And I just, yeah, pray that you would speak. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let me set a little bit of context here for you in the book of Philippians. In Philippians, Paul is writing from prison. And I think that we can sometimes overlook the circumstances, right? You're like, okay, oh, yeah, Paul was in prison, prison next. But let, let me just, re- I want this to sink in, right? Paul was writing this from prison. So imagine he's probably chained to some sort of like doorpost thing whatever. I don't know why my brain just goes to like Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know why, but just like people locked up. I don't know why, but he, it was probably dark, probably not a lot of food, um, I can only imagine the mental exhaustion and the emotional state that he must have been in. Right. And yet this letter Philippians is kind of known as like a thank you note. It's known as a thank you note to the Philippians for how the community came alongside Paul during his suffering. In addition to that, it's also this really strong call to action for us as believers of how to pursue Jesus and how to experience the Holy Spirit and to experience joy. And so I think that when we read that verse, when Paul says, put into practice what you've heard, that should cause us to pause, right? That should cause us to be, okay, I want to listen and really just like hear what he has for me, right? Like, how can I put this into practice? So let's take that context. With that, I want to flash back to 2020. Can we do that? I know it might be triggering for some. Can we flash back to 2020? March. <laughs> Something happened in our history. <laughs> A pandemic. <laughs> okay, so guys, during March, um, right? March, April, when the pandemic started, I probably, like many of you, I think it's pretty basic of me, I reorganized and remodeled my bedroom. Anyone else? Just like a new hobby, cleaning up, doing all the things. Um, For me, my bedroom is just like my safe haven. I'm a pretty big homebody. So I love just repainting my room, getting new furniture. And I made a little like reading nook in the corner of my room. Got a chair, have like my candle, my like oatmeal colored walls. And I made a gallery wall. And one of the picture frames I got on my gallery wall is this giant print that says Joy is here. Joy is here. Got that in March, 2020. And it was like during the, during pandemic. So now I want to bring you back to speed to now, to a few months ago, that frame has been hanging in my room for almost three years now. And in the last few months, I have just gone through a roller coaster season of discouragement. And there's not really one thing I could attribute it to, but I think what I really just have realized is as you get older, life is just hard, right? I don't think people really fully prepare you for understanding the gravity of that, but life just feels like this roller coaster of ups and downs and it's fleeting and it's unpredictable, right? And I think that all of us can relate to that. And so in this space that I was in, there was a period of time where like, I remember I'd walk into my room and the joy is here. Frame is like as soon as you open the door, and I would see the frame, and this like animalistic instinct would come over me of like I want to go rip the frame off my wall. <laughs> and I'm not an aggressive person by any means, <laughs> but I was still like I don't, I don't get it, God. Like joy is here. I was like perplexed. Like I don't understand, you know. And Paul's like rejoice always. I'm like, God, how can I do the verb of what Paul is telling me to do the action? If I don't even think I understand joy right now, you know, people say like, choose joy, choose joy. I'm like, I'm not a robot. That sounds so trite. Like I can't just choose joy. Right. Or the joy of the Lord is my strength. Like I don't get how I can draw strength from joy because I don't feel it here. Right. And so with that, hold on to that. I want to invite you. Do you want to nerd out with me on a little brain science right now? Can we go there? Can we go there? Okay. So I am very passionate about psychology. I was an undergrad communication and psych major at UC Davis. After I graduated just for fun, I took a few graduate courses in psychology. I'm just very interested in how our minds work. And so a few months ago, a friend of mine recommended this book to me. It's called the other half of church. It is is co-authored by a theologian and a PhD clinical psychologist, really cool pairing, right? And the premise of the book is how our brain development correlates to our discipleship to Jesus. So one of my mentors was like, Nassim, this book was written for you. It's like literally my bread and butter of what I'm interested in. But what I want to hone in on right now is their section on joy, this chapter on joy that they've written about. And they write about how joy is crucial for healthy, emotional and relational development in our brains. And they interview this neuroscientist. His name is Dr. Alan Shore. And in this study that he runs, he has a definition for joy and it's defined relationally in his studies. It's so beautiful. His definition is joy is what you feel when you see the sparkle in someone's eye that says, I'm happy to be here with you. Isn't that so beautiful? Have you ever experienced that? Like with someone, maybe you haven't seen them in a long time and you reunite, or maybe it's with friends that when you're with them, you just feel like you don't have to be on. And you're just like, I'm myself. And when you're with them, you kind of just feel like I'm happy to be here with you. And I actually feel so blessed because my two best friends, Taylor and Ashley are here. I feel that with them when I'm with them, just like, I'm happy to be here with you. You both kind of feel it. And so they're alluding to this premise of like, our brains look specifically to the face of someone else to, po- to find joy. The Face is key and God's face is connected to joy in the Bible, but we often miss that. So I want you to look at Psalm 21, six. I think I have it behind me up. The Psalm says for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. The word for word Hebrew translation for this is actually you make him happy with joy with your face. Let me read that again. You being God, you make him happy with joy with God's face. And so in this chapter, the authors are talking about in English translations, a lot of times this wording of God's face gets lost and our brains don't uh, trans, don't understand it the same way when we don't think of God's face. And I think of this worship song in number six, um, in the, the song, the blessing they take from number six It's the song. The Lord makes his face shine upon you. When we lose that, the God who of all joy, his face shining upon you and I with joy, we don't understand his joy is full, right? And so what I want to start with this morning is this first posture that I believe we're invited into guys that even Paul really tells us to practice in order to fully experience joy or even to, get to start to experience joy. We have to seek the face of joy. That's Jesus Christ. We have to seek the face of joy. Through Philippians, Paul urges them. He says, hold firmly to the word of life. And we know the word became flesh, right? It dwelled among us. That's Jesus. So we're called to seek the face of joy. And, you know, one of the ways that we just learned joy is translated and um, transmitted through our faces. We can't see God's face physically in this realm. Maybe some of you can. I'm not going to knock that. If you can, that's awesome. I'm jealous. But one of the ways that we can do that in a different way is to seek him through God's word, seeking the Lord's face through God's word. You know, Jeremiah says, when your words came, I ate them. I ate them and they were my joy and my heart's delight. That's so beautiful. I want that. I want to feel that when I read God's word. And so when Paul is talking to the Philippians, he also tells them, I'm praying that your love would abound in more knowledge and more insight. Guys, this happens as you study the word of God, we get to know him more. We get to know his love more. It made me think about like in CSI or not even on TV, in real life, the the forensic sketch artist, right? I'm like, in a show, no, but in real life, right? When the detective or the victim is referring to, they're describing the suspect and the forensic artist is drawing it out. And, you know, more often than not, when you see the picture, it's almost identical to the suspect because they're so good at their jobs. And I wonder if it's the same way for us. The more that we hear from God, the more we read his word, the more accurate and clear a picture of him we begin to paint in our hearts, in our minds, right? When we hear his word, we're able to have his face clearer and clearer to us. Paul reminds the Philippians earlier in chapter two, he says, as you hold firmly to the word of life, you will shine like stars. I love that. And so guys, I want to encourage you with this truth. This foundation first is let's start to practice seeking the face of joy, the face that shines on you and I with joy to therefore be able to experience that joy. I think we really have to get back to that place, right? Right. For the word to come alive, for us to be able to shine like stars, and this kind of caveat I want to put in there is: when Paul says "put into practice," the Hebrew word for that is actually an ongoing, daily, active verb. It's not like read this in the Bible once that sounds good. I might tweet it right and then be done with it. No, it's daily, ongoing effort on our parts. So I want to encourage with you with that. If that sounds hard. It is hard, but it's so worth it, and it should be a daily rhythm. That's kind of what I want to hope to do with this sermon is just kind of give you a few things you can start to regiment into your life as a discipline and daily start to practice it. So let's seek the face of joy, and then we'll start to experience his joy. Amen? Okay, so as we continue, another way that we seek God's face— is through the church body. It's through one another sitting here today, right? And so I want to encourage you, surround yourself with the church body, but specifically with those who are in suffering or in pain. And I know that you're like, what? We're talking about joy. Like surround yourself with people who are positive, right? That's kind of what you hear. Be around joy if you want to be more joyful. I actually think that can be kind of damaging um, and it's good. But I think more importantly, Paul has a word for us to, to surround ourselves with those who are in suffering or in pain. If you look at chapter four, Paul says, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Remember, this is a thank you note to the Philippians, right? He's saying it was kind of you to share in my trouble. A footnote in my Bible for share said, have fellowship with. It was kind of you to have fellowship in my trouble. Paul's affirming the community that they did this for Paul. They surrounded him in his suffering. And I really think this is a posture that we need to model more as Christians today. We need to befriend those who are in pain and in suffering. And I just wanted to share with you guys kind of vulnerably in pastoral ministry for me in the last year, year and a half, I have walked through people in our church through very, very extreme suffering and pain. And it has challenged my faith a lot. Um, a mother who lost her 21 year old son in a car accident. My friend who's 23 lost her dad in the last year, totally. Suddenly they found him at his workplace, a cancer diagnosis, chronic loneliness toxic work environments. It's been very heavy. And as i walk through that, I mentioned my faith has been challenged. I've had moments where I'm like, God, I don't even know if I can be a pastor because how am I supposed to, I'm, when I'm bearing the burden, my empathy feels like it's through the roof to an unhealthy degree. How do I have like, you know, boundaries and not check out and not grow numb? Maybe you felt that way too with people in your life. And then also God, where are you? Right? Pastor Krista, you prayed this earlier, like God, what's happening. And so it's kind of like wrestling with my own theology. Like, God, where are you in this? How do I grasp this? And then how do I give pastoral love to the people in my church? So my faith has been challenged. But secondly, again, my faith has been challenged. What I mean by that is in all these scenarios, because there is this relationship that I've built with these people I'm walking in with, there's mutual love, there's mutual respect and trust there. And we've been able to have very candid, raw conversations in their pain. And I've been able to sit with them and just go there and ask them, Hey, do you feel joy right now? Like what, what does this theme of joy mean to you right now? Do you feel hope? Do you feel the Lord? And I've just been, my faith has been rocked and challenged by talking to these people and walking with them. And so this morning I specifically wanted to share one story with you of my friend Haley, who is amazing and wishes that she could be here today. And she said, she's been praying for you guys. So she says, hi. And I wanted to share her story in hopes that it would encourage just maybe one, or hopefully all of you here because it's encouraged my faith. And she's been so gracious to allow me to share her story, um, in hopes that it would, it would, um, bless you guys. So my friend Haley is 29 years old. She lives in Pleasanton in the East Bay. And when she grew up, you know, very normal life, she is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful inside and out. One of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. And she actually joined my church that I'm currently at before I even got there when she was in college, when she was 21. And when she was graduating college, when she was about 21, she started to get sick. She started to get really sick and over the course of nine years, and for the sake of time, I wish I could go into all of it, but just imagine over nine years, it has taken almost a decade to get answers, to get diagnoses, and she's still sick. And she has a laundry list of different, um, immunocompromised, um, diagnoses, three of which I want to share that my, we're, I know we're not in the medical field. Maybe some of you are, we're not doctors, but the way that she's so graciously helped me understand (laughs) is there are three rare diseases that are called motility disorders that cause paralysis of her GI tract, paralysis of her stomach and obstruction of her intestines. So she has had a feeding tube for several years. And I want you to imagine during COVID for somebody that immunocompromised, what that would have done in her life, right? We all were quarantined, but I kind of roll my eyes as I say that because we, I don't think that we experienced the level of emotional impact that this had on someone like Haley, right? I want you to imagine this. My friend Haley has not hugged a friend in probably three years. When we see her, it's through a window, my friend Ashley and I she has a feeding tube. She's not been able to eat food like you and I are able to eat food, right? She has not been able to pursue her twenties. Like all of us, you know, probably have dating work, life, making friends, all the normal things with that. She also, sorry, I wanted to mention this too. She also receives weekly blood plasma infusions that have helped her run um, her automatic body functions properly. So walking blood pressure, etc. However, with that, my friend Haley is amazing and she is a warrior. She's an Enneagram three, if you know the Enneagram. So this has not really stopped her. She graduated college. She got her um, master's degree in one year instead of three, and she has devoted her time to starting a ministry and really just advocating for other people who have rare conditions. So she literally runs support groups all over the U S the world. I want to (laughs) say, and in addition to that, she works with Congress to pass legislator and advocate for people who have rare diseases. She is amazing. Now, with that context, Haley and I got very close during COVID through voice memos. I love voice memos a lot. They're very special to me. And so, because we haven't been able to see each other, but we've just talked. As we've talked, I've asked her, Haley, what does joy, do you even have joy? Like, where are you at with that? Right. And I want to share with you just a few things she's told me because they've just been mic drop moments in my own faith. First thing she said is Nassim, I see God the most when I'm suffering the most because I'm so desperate for him and he's all that I have left. And then she said, you know, I wonder maybe those who are in suffering are more prone to experiencing joy because we're more open to looking for it. And that wrecked me. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. And she said, you know, I, I, and I, it actually made me remember this conversation we had when she was able to have bone broth for the first time and how exciting that was that we were like, oh my gosh, bone broth to to her. That was like the filet mignon, right? I'm able to finally ingest something, you know, other than the feeding tube, you know, nutrients. And she said, I think that we're just more prone to, to experience. We're looking for it. We're looking for everywhere. I'm looking for when I'm able to go for a walk for the first time in a year. Right. And she's told me, you know, this is a new group of people for me to love. This is my ministry. These are the people that God has called me to love. God's called me to this community who's struggling with rare disease. And so I wonder, might some of our suffering church be an opportunity for the body to come together and to give each other hope. I think so, right? And this is not telling you this to be performative or community service or to make us the hero, right? This is, I think it's such like a Western thing where it's like, let me come alongside and help you out. Absolutely not, because we all walk through pain. There's no point of, compa- Paley's so good at that. She's like, do not compare pain. Your pain matters just as much as mine, which is so humbling. But really, when we show up for people, guys, we give them the presence of Jesus because the presence of Jesus is living in you and I right now, right? It reminds me of the book I mentioned earlier, this quote. I think we have it. Joy does not remove our pain, but it gives us strength to endure. Joy has a relational component to it. So joy and suffering means God and our community are glad to be with us in our distress, right? They don't allow us to suffer alone. We're able to bear our suffering like Jesus, that is so powerful. Like, yes, that is what joy is. And before I move on, I want to make this really clear guys. If you take anything from this message, I hope it's this joy can coexist with pain. Joy can coexist with sadness. Joy can coexist with sorrow. And such a beautiful example of this that Haley gave me. She said, you know, Nassim with my blood plasma infusions every week, I am so thankful that I get these infusions. I'm they're my lifeline. I am rejoicing at the fact that I get to get up and go do that. And I get to live at the same time. I cry through the whole thing because of how much it hurts and how much I have to, I hate doing it every week, right? This is my reality, but I'm holding both in tandem. And it makes me think of this term in psychology called a supra emotion. Maybe you've heard of it. Joy is a supra emotion. Meaning joy can sit on top of any other emotion and both can be true. They can coexist. And it makes me think even in my own life, I'm sure many of you, if you're following the news, you know what's happening in Iran right now. I'm Iranian American. My parents were born in Iran with what's been happening since October to now. That is exactly what I feel is the coexisting. What I mean by that is my family and I are devastated and depressed and angry at the murders that are happening every single day of women and children in Iran. The fact that Nothing seems to end the fact that no one seems to care. No government really is getting involved and women and children are dying every single day and being executed for their basic human rights. I'm so angry. I'm so sad and I can't do anything. I'm here. All I can do is pray. Right? With that, if you ask any Iranian in your life, which I encourage you, if you know anyone, show up for them, ask them how they're doing. Anyone that you ask will tell you there is this fiery sort of hopeful joy that's burning inside of us. That's like maybe this will be the cause for change, right? You see these women, you see their courage, you see their resilience, their tenacity to fight, and you're like, oh my gosh, I have joy. Yes, I want to like stand up with you, right? You're, they're brave, they're courageous. So it coexists, and both and are okay, right? It reminds me of this phrase Paul uses in Second Corinthians. He says, "I am both sorrowful." yet also always rejoicing. I love that. That's what it is. I'm, I'm sorrowful, yet I'm also always rejoicing. And a key here friends is maybe you're, maybe you're thinking of someone as I speak. And I encourage you, if you are write their name down or take a note of it. Who is in your life? That's in pain every day. Who's in in this church right now that, you know, that's in pain every day. Maybe it's as, as severe as my friend Haley's story. Maybe it's something else. We all have pain. Who can you show up for? Paul says in Philippians, he says, I will remain with you and I will continue with you for your progress and for your joy in the faith. Wow. Let us do exactly that, right? Let's remain with people. Let's fight for their joy in the faith. And I want to encourage you, be open to asking people that question. Be brave. Show up for them. You don't need an answer. Ask them, how does joy coexist for you right now? Does it? And I wonder if it will add joy to your life to give them the presence of Jesus And I think that your joy will also be renewed and restored as you do life with these people. I know that firsthand because it has for my friendship with Haley. I have a clearer, more rejoicing picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of my friendship with Haley, because of the cross-shaped life that she lives. I see Jesus more accurately because I've walked with her through her suffering. So to recap thus far. We can glean so much from Paul. We can take on these postures, right? The first is seeking the face of joy in Jesus, having that be our anchor, surrounding ourselves with the church body to be able to experience joy in a unique and different way. And then finally it's to surrender to the Holy spirit, surrender to the Holy spirit in you. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when Paul says rejoice, it's hard right? We just talked about suffering. And I'm sure maybe you're thinking of things you're going through in your own life. We're not robots. It's really, really hard. And so I wonder when we think about the Holy Spirit, there is this component of active work on your, your, and my part to surrender, right? That takes work for you and I to be able to surrender to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Yeah. Paul says the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds, We have to let him penetrate our hearts and our minds first, right? We have to let him in. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit for us to fully grasp this. So I want us to look at Paul one final time. He says in in Philippians 1, he says, I know that through your prayers, right? Your prayers, we just talked about community, and God's provision of the Spirit, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So he has hope in the Holy Spirit, right? Yielding to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you guys today. If you know Jesus, you have Holy Spirit dwelling in you today. And Jesus says in John 16, he says, Holy, the Holy Spirit will glorify me because he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. That gets me so excited. I'm like, that's a promise that I can bank on. The Holy Spirit will take what is from Jesus and he's going to declare it to me. Another translation says, show it to you or disclose it to you. That is powerful. It gives me so much hope, but we have to be yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit. And before we close, there's this, this aspect of the Holy spirit that I want to kind of just end on is joy has grittiness. I want you to remember that joy is not just a feeling joy has grittiness. Pastor Matt Summers says joy is tenacious. It fights, it grips the promises of God and it won't let go. And joy is not a mere good mood. It's an anchor in our storms. It's an immovable rock to stand on when the waves of life threaten to flatten us amen. So allow the Holy spirit to help you to fight for joy. You know, I'm so hesitant now to say the whole choose joy thing. Like, and I think, just think it's so trite, but and it's hard to do. And it can even be disempowering to people who are going through real pain, but Hey, we have the empowering presence of Holy spirit, right? He's working in us as he's working in us. We're suited up. We're able, we're able to fight back in the midst of suffering in the midst of any circumstance. It's not a feeling. It's a person. It's an immovable rock. And so once we do that, these postures that we talked about, seeking the face of joy, as Paul says, surrounding ourselves with the church body and surrendering to the Holy Spirit, he ends with the promise. He ends with the promise that we started with, right? He says, the God of peace will be with you. That is the promise. Notice how the focus is on God's character. It's not on like, here's what you do. And then here's what you get. It's no, here's what you do. And here's who you get here is who you get. I am giving you the God of peace. That's what the spotlight is on. He's near, he's with you. And that gives us joy. We have his nearness with us, right? And so as we close and can invite worship to come back up, if they'd like, I want to end where we started. I want to take you back to the joy is here picture frame and my frustration Over the last month or so, you know, nothing particularly has changed in my circumstance or anything. And again, as I mentioned, we all, life is the roller coaster, right? That's just normalcy. Paul says, expect suffering, (laughs) expect hardship, right? It is what it is. However, I feel like the Lord has given me this aha moment epiphany through his word, where it's just been like truth took root in my life. And that's what I want to encourage you with today is friends. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus is constantly praying and interceding for you and I. At this very moment, Jesus is praying for you and I. And it's wild, but Jesus says in John 17, he says, I'm praying that you would have the full measure of my joy. Jesus is praying for your joy, you guys. He's praying, may you have the full measure of my joy. And so I just realized, I was like, man, what if joy is here, is not this like, Joy is here in this present moment, this cosmic energy, this feeling like I have to feel good. What if joy is here is more like personification? Like joy is here, meaning joy is here and now because Jesus Christ dwelling in you and I right now interceding for me, I have his joy, right? I have his presence. He is interceding for me. So I have access to that because the very essence of joy deposits that joy in me, right? And so when suffering and grief make it difficult to pray, rest in that. Rest rest in the fact that Jesus is interceding on your behalf here and now. And so friends, Advent season is this season where we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, right? We have hope. He's come to us. That's what we just celebrated right now. We have him. And then there's this ultimate joy that we're waiting for. When he comes back, right? I want to recognize in the room, there's some people where our pain might not be resolved this side of eternity. Unfortunately, that's the reality, right? We're not preaching some prosperity gospel. And yet Jesus says, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, you have pain now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. No one will take your joy from you. So I just want to invite you to close your eyes and take a breath. And I just felt led as I was praying for you guys today to pray over specific people in this room. And first, I want to pray for the person who doesn't have an accurate picture of God's face. And if that's you, I pray that you would just open up your heart right now as we're praying. God, I pray that your face, the face that delights with joy over your son, over your daughter, that your son or daughter would experience that joy right now, that relational joy that God's face is shining on me. And then I pray Lord that their joy would be multiplied tenfold. You delight in us, God. You're not distant. You're not far away. We're your sons, we're your daughters. We want to see your face more accurately. So God, my prayer is also for those people that you would give them this perseverance to run after you, to run after your word, to run after seeking after you, God. And God, then I want to pray for the people in the second category of maybe they need to let people in on their pain. Lord, I pray for anyone who's maybe guarded in this space. Would you bring them safe people? Would you help them to be vulnerable, God? Lord, I pray that they would let people in, and would they then begin to experience joy, God? I pray for the person, Lord, who... Doesn't understand how joy can coexist with pain and sorrow. God, Lord, I pray that Haley's story and maybe other stories that are coming to mind right now, God, would show that to be true in their lives. God, I pray that joy would be the emotion that sits on top of any other emotion. God, let your joy break through anger. Let your joy break through pain. Let your joy break through rejection and discouragement. God. And God, finally, I want to just pray for the person who might feel like their pain will never end. And God, I wish that we could just declare that it would end. We pray that. We pray for your will to be done, God. But more specifically, God, I want to pray for your Holy Spirit to comfort. For your Holy Spirit to draw near to those people in this room, God. God, I pray just as Paul encourages us, Lord, that we would yield to your Spirit. And we would declare and believe that Holy Spirit can help deliver us. The same way Paul said, in prison, the Holy Spirit can help deliver us from our pain, God. So God, we just pray in this moment as each person, just eyes closed, God, would you meet each and every person in this space, wherever they're at, God. I pray that they would leave this space knowing no one can take their joy from them. Jesus, you are presently interceding for and fighting for every person in this room, no matter what battle they're fighting. And so God, finally, we just close with this, that all of this would give us hope to be able to have joy. That's my prayer, God, is that joy wouldn't be this trite emotion, but it would be this gritty, wrapped in truth fight, knowing that Jesus is near me, knowing that Jesus is near us, God, and that should give us the ultimate joy. And so Lord, now we look to you as we worship and just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move we're here. We're here. We want to, we want to experience you. We want to know you and God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit deposits joy. So that's what I pray. God, I just pray Holy Spirit would just deposit so much joy in this space right now. That's a fruit that we can bank on. That's a fruit that you deliver. So bring your joy in Jesus name. Amen.